in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my zippity doodah daughter and co-host Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Now, Lauren, yeah, yes. I, I probably tipped my hat when I said my zippity doodah daughter, because now you kind of know what my song's going to be for this week. I was wondering. You've heard the song, I'm sure, right? Oh, yes. What do you think of it? Is it a song that you absolutely love, have to play in your earbuds every day when you wake up or not? I haven't heard it in a while, but I know that Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder is my favorite part. Oh, okay. Then rather than let everyone who has not heard it sit there wondering what the heck are they talking about, let's let's play zippity doo dah first, okay? okay. And, and that certainly will set the mood because there's there's no hope really if you can't embrace a song like zippity doodah all right mrs bluebird on your shoulder let's listen to the song okay there's a bluebird on my shoulder it's the truth it's actual, everything is satisfaction. Well, there we go. So that- Do you know that that song is actually the theme song of the amusement park ride in Disney World called Splash Mountain? I, I, it just I, came I, to me. I, I did not. I, I'm startled. I'm shocked. I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm 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 without words flabbergasted. Wow. All right. You. Let's not be so dramatic over there. <laughs> but yeah, they use that song to represent like the blissful part of life. Um, in the it's a log flume ride. So they have all these little characters singing the song and everything feels so peaceful and lovely. And then uh, you know, that right before the massive drop of fear. <laughs> so so really is that like just getting everyone into this mood and then just (laughs) dropping them off a cliff what what is that that's not that's not very nice i mean is that life i don't know it's like zippity doo dah crash yeah i I don't like that that's kind of no well the whole point of the ride is to uh you know provide some dramatic effect well, I guess so. I guess so. So we're talking today, and it, it, our, the title of our talk today is not zippity doodah. You may think it is, but really it's the seven self-coaching secrets to a happier life. Did you know there are secrets? And, and we're going to reveal those secrets today. Mm. You probably didn't, didn't know there were seven. You probably thought there were one or two, right? I know there are seven Christmas fishes for Christmas Eve. <sighs> now we're talking about fish. Uh, okay, so what are the seven fishes on Christmas Eve? Oh, that I don't know. Oh, not I just that. know there's supposed to be seven, right? Yeah, I'm not. You don't have to describe the fishes, but it, uh, it it's a. Oh, a oh, I thought you wanted me to name the seven fishes. <laughs> oh, uh, seven, yeah, I think it's a it's an Italian uh, tradition, right? Yeah, to I, I have seven so. different fishes on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Okay, so the seven secrets. 
And yes. we're going to go, how about we go through them? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And this way we won't leave any of them out, okay? Okay. The first secret is embracing optimism. Hmm. Hmm. So we, we've talked here and there about optimism in the past. And, you know, let's face it, optimism uh, can do lots of things for us psychologically as well as physiologically. Uh, it can improve our immune system, prevent chronic disease, help us cope more with unfortunate news, right? So, so you know, an, a, a, an attitude of optimism is just a wonderful thing for you physically. And psychologically, you live differently in the present when you live with optimism. I mean, compare that to someone that's a pessimist. Uh, in, in the present, if you are optimistic, then you are able to have a different experience, a very different experience than if you have a kind of pessimistic experience. And, you know, one of, uh, one of my favorite quips uh, is that an optimist is someone who starts a diet on Thanksgiving Day. Since, <laughs> since we are still getting over the turkey high from last week. Was it last mm. week or two weeks ago? It was last week. So what do you have to say, my dear daughter, about optimism? You're, you're kind of an optimistic person, aren't you? Just by nature. I think I am by nature, but also it takes a little bit of work to cultivate an attitude of optimism. Okay, well, give us your, your work ethic. How do, you, how do you work at that? Well, first of all, I think it's very easy to get sucked into the negative vibration of life because mm -hmm. uh our we've talked about before just how we have this negativity bias in the way that our brain has evolved over time and so it's almost it's, it's three times more likely that you're going to notice negative situations or allow your brain to think negative thoughts than it is that you will have positive thoughts mm -hmm. so you actually i think when you bring awareness to that it allows you to sort of recircuit mm -hmm. your brain and actually change it on purpose. Essentially, you're saying that we focus more on the negatives because that's more of a survival trait, isn't it? I know we've talked about this in the past. It's the negatives that can hurt us. So we're more tuned into looking at things that are negative that may be harmful. Uh, so we do have a, a proclivity toward doing that. Is that kind of what you were getting at? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually the instinctual part of the brain that that's looking for the the negative i think our primal brain mm -hmm. thousands of years ago had a very developed bottom brain or instinctual brain and the prefrontal cortex the thinking part of the brain was not quite as developed as it is today luckily for us now we have the option to actually choose and bring awareness to what our brain is doing but we also are still plagued with that instinctual negative mm. protective mechanism. Would you say that gratitude is associated with optimism? Oh yeah. I feel like gratitude is the easiest way to shift your brain mm. circuitry. Like it's such a, it like hijacks the negativity. Yeah. I mean, grateful people just seem to be happier in general. Either that or they're high. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, grateful people. 
They receive more social support. They seem less stressed. They seem less depressed. They make me make me grateful. Come on. There's well, a- they actually say like practicing gratitude. They've studied it on the brain, and they they say that gra- practicing gratitude actually accesses the bliss the bliss place in your brain. It, it it releases dopamine, and it it actually allows you to see the world differently over time if you continually practice gratitude so it can't just be every once in a while but it's it's a constant practice so so there's a a bliss place in the brain they call it a blissful center wow i guess that's where the dopamine gets released from so Uh, number one embrace optimism and lauren is the most optimistic person in this podcast today Uh, i am less optimistic stuck in my bottom brain so embrace optimism is number one secret and number two secret cultivate hope. Are you hopeful as well as optimistic, Lauren? Yes, I'd say so. I think it would be hard to be optimistic and not hopeful. That's a good point. I mean, to be optimistic, you you kind of almost have to be hopeful. It's true. Yeah. But and hope hope is, you know, it's not something passive. This is something that we, we have to really actively approach toward life. It's It may seem risky for some, right, to just get you know, get into a hopeful attitude that things will work out when in fact we're confronted with mountains of stress and duress. It's hard. It's not always easy to be hopeful. True. And in, in practicing hopefulness, I wonder, are you sometimes denying reality in some way? Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, we, we don't know what's coming. The future is never part of the here and now. So it's not that you're denying reality, but you're embracing a, a hopeful concept of what will be, and that, that releases the energy in the present. So if I am without hope, then despair is going to be my partner. But you know, research indicates that hope can, you know, it can help us manage stress and anxiety. It does help us cope with adversity. You know? So I, I think there's so much that, that we have to gain by being hopeful, even though the future is not something that we can know about, uh, but hopeful people just believe they can influence their goals, and they probably do. I mean, if you have a hopeful attitude, don't you think that that kind of shapes where you wind up eventually? I wholeheartedly believe that. I think that the way that we attune to different vibrations of emotion changes our trajectory. So if you tune into a high vibe feeling of hopefulness, you're going to attract that sort of thing, but more into your life. Whereas if you're in the low vibration of depletion or depression or negativity, that's what's going to show up more and more. So you kind of attract what you put out. So yeah, if you can attune to that higher vibration before you even have the things that are manifested in your life, you'll be able to be in the right place to receive them. Yeah. I'm not sure I I understand what you mean by lower and higher vibrations. I, I mean, I don't want to get my Himalayan singing bowl out and <laughs> do some vibrating, but but I kind of understand what you're saying. But do you have more uh, of a specific, you know, what are higher and lower vibrations? Sure. They've actually done studies on the different emotions to try and sort of calculate the energetic output. Your thoughts and your emotions are actually putting energy out into the world and it can be measured around you up to like six feet. I think it is, they can actually measure an emotion based on an energetic scale. And so the, is that that why they bury people six feet under? 
I don't think there's any correlation there, <laughs> similar to the seven fishes and the this seven is, secrets. You're saying this is just a coincidence, huh? That's just a coincidence. Yeah. But uh, the lower vibration emotions are more of the uncomfortable negative ones, like feeling sad, feeling frustrated. I mean, even if you feel into that right now in your body, like it feels heavy, right? It feels slow and low. And then if you feel into the to the emotions of excitement or joy or love, you can actually feel the shift. It, it is a much higher, it moves quicker on the spectrum. So we have embracing optimism, cultivating hope, but let's, let us move on. And this is more or less your, uh, is it ballywhack? I think that's the word. This is your- <laughs> What? <laughs> your ballywhack is to cultivate presence and mindfulness. In other words, this is your forte your oh. expertise. So tell oh, us a little yeah. bit about why, why it's important to cultivate uh, presence and mindfulness. It reminds us that we only ever live in the now. There's no such thing as the past or the future, because those are just projections of the mind. So life unfolds as a series of nows. So I think bringing your attention fully to the present moment, to the now, is, is where life unfolds. You know what you know what confuses me about the now, and I and I know you've talked about this before, but as soon as I think of the now, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. It's, and you can't you can't that like you said a key word there because it's not you can't think about being. Like if you think about it, you're not actually present. And so, it's gone. Right. It like it's not you can only experience it through feeling. And that's the difference. And that kind of is the difference between the upper and lower brain, like you were saying, like with the lower brain, you're not thinking, you're just experiencing. So you're saying get out of the thinking head of the higher brain. Mm-hmm. Did you just blow a bubble? I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I tell you why I'm chewing gum? Yes, please. Okay, <laughs> last night um, at dinner, I, I, there was a bowl of olive oil and I thought that there were mushrooms in the olive oil and I decided to eat them. I love mushrooms. So I ate a couple of the mushrooms and then, uh, and then my friend asked me why I was eating full garlic cloves. What does that have to do with you blowing a bubble? Because I need the minty fresh gum because I ate like four full garlic cloves last night. Oh my gosh. You're lucky we're not in the same room right now. You're right. You're right. I mean, I don't have to be blowing bubbles, but I'm with, gum well, chewing. I guess, I guess you were being present when you blew that bubble. I was. Yeah. Well, I, I still think that the now is a very, uh, it's not an easy concept for a lot of people. Don't <laughs> blow that bubble again. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, for a lot of, I'm looking away. I'm not even looking at you. Now. Okay. Okay. You can't. You just can't live 24-7 in the now because there's a real world out there that requires some uh, anticipation. We have calendars, we have, uh, you know, appointment books, and there are things we have to do to just survive in, in, in our world. So it, it would seem to me that if, if, I, if I feel that the goal is to just totally be in the now, I can't, I can't see that. To me, it seems like that's in conflict with, with living you know, for my, you know, my looking at my notebook and saying, oh, I have to go to the store tomorrow and get, you know, so I, I think that is, is it, is it bad to say that living in the now 
is not really totally possible. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think living in the now is something we can strive for as often as possible. It is really difficult to do. Um, so it's, it's you know, taking just small moments to, to be in present is, is really good enough, meaning like that's enough to sort of change your perspective on a whole day. Um, but also when we practice being in the now, it doesn't mean we can't plan for the future in the now. So you can, you can put your attention on what you're going to plan for in the future, but you don't want to let your mind actually live in the future for long. So for instance, if you're planning to go to the store tomorrow and you're writing out your list of food, let's say, you can do that with full presence, you know, thinking about what you're writing down in this moment, but you're not going to allow your brain to focus on what that experience is going to be like tomorrow. Like you're not projecting into um, how much you don't want to go to the food store or wait on the line or, you know, are they going to be out of milk, whatever it is. So I think you just put your attention on the step that you're taking right now. So if I'm walking along singing zippity doo da zippity am I in the present when I'm doing, am I being present? Probably. Probably, right? Depends what you're thinking about while you're singing. I, I, I guess I guess when I think about the now, I think about being totally absorbed in what is going on in this moment. And which brings me back before to to the philosophical question of you know as soon as you as soon as you think about being in the now you've left it because now you're thinking so it is something that you have to connect with in a non-verbal kind of way it's and as you as you said it's a being kind of experience once you once you go back and and analyze it you know you've you've lost it right so yeah it's a matter of actually being so we have embracing optimism cultivating hope cultivating presence and mindfulness. And let us move on to number four. Find the good in people. Mm. Don't you dare criticize me. <laughs> do you, why do you think that's important? Why, is, why do you think that could possibly be a secret to happier life, to a happier life? Finding the good in people. It's kind of an attitude, right? Yeah, it is. And I think that we all approach life and perceive it from our own lens. And a lot of times things can be lost in translation. And so one of the things I've learned is when I'm thinking about finding the good in people is trusting in the goodness of people's intentions. And so sometimes even when something isn't necessarily delivered in the way that you had hoped or had wanted. It's it's trusting that the people who care about you have your best intent, have your best interest at heart. So even if that, that gum is getting in your way there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while I see that little blue green thing in your mouth. Do I need to spit it out no, so no, that no, you can not focus? At not at all. It's it's fine. Mm. So you know, when I say finding the good in people, I think that's certainly related to uh, optimism too. It's it's realizing that uh, we we always have a choice, half full, half empty, and I think it applies to people and friends and relationships and people that we just see in our daily lives. It's it's if you're always looking for you know the fly in the soup, what's wrong with people? 
you know, that's kind of looking for negativity. That's kind of looking for reasons to resent, to hate, to not like. And, and I think that when you look for the good or, or when you only see or allow yourself to find the good in people, I think you're cultivating an optimism toward life because like the glass half empty and half full, it depends on what you're looking at. Everybody's glass is both half empty and half full. It's just life itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that understanding that people at the core are really good and that sometimes actions or reactions have come from experiences in their day or their life that have sort of molded them to react that way. And that if you can see beyond that and trust that people are doing the best that they can, I think that that helps. That helps me at least. You know, you know that's a, that's a good story. A good, I should say it's a good it's a good way of putting it because everybody has a story, and and I think that's a, a philosophical debate whether people are inherently good. I like to believe that myself. I think we we become corrupted by influences, uh, and, uh, upbringing, problems, etc. So, I, but I I do think at core that there's it's it's worth it's worth looking for the good because i think it enhances our lives maybe it just makes us easier with our world in general yeah and it also changes your perception of the person when you when you focus on the good instead of the bad you start to notice the good more than the bad so i had a friend that worked with a coworker and they worked in the same room and she had a really difficult time with this coworker. She just felt, you know, there were so many things about this person that bothered her. She was really negative, um, unkind. And this, my friend was starting to feel really down because of her, this woman's influence in her life. And so we created this challenge for her, which was in every day she had to, she had this little list that no one knew about. It was like in a journal on her desk. And by the end of the day, she had to fill in 10 things that she noticed about this woman that were positive or at least neutral. (laughs) And um, yeah, yeah, it was, but she was able to do it. Oh, I would have a problem with that. Because there was like a, it was her intention was to like truly focus on changing her environment. And she knew the only way to do that was through her own perception. She wasn't going to change this woman, but she was going to change her view of this woman and the only way to do that was to really seek it out and look for the positive and there there it was there Mm. yeah and I think that it's a it's a it's a good exercise and I think by looking for the good in people we're forcing ourselves into at least a positive mode Uh, we are we are orienting ourselves to 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 look for that which is good and, and wholesome and 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 I think it I think it has a resonant effect on our psyche. So I like what you say about, you know, just forcing yourself to find that good. It's there. We oftentimes would would rather stick to our prejudice at times and not really open our mind and our hearts to what we're really seeing uh, in front of us with, with someone or with relationships. So I don't know. It's not an easy thing to do because, you know, sometimes we become jaded. And when someone steps on our toe, it's hard to you know, really forgive sometimes and forget. But I, I just think it's a, it's just a better, wholesome attitude for you. So even if you're selfish, think of it this way. Finding the good in other people releases, I think, more of the positive psychic energy within you, as Lauren might say, different frequencies. 
But I think looking for the good in people does good for you, period. I, I just think that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always a quote or a saying that they that teachers kind of know, which is the, the students that are the most unlovable are the ones that need the most love. So the people that come across as, you know, being difficult often are the yeah. ones that yeah, need need love and acceptance in order to yeah. be them be their true selves compassion uh, it was the dalai lama who said if you if you want to if you want to be happy practice compassion and if you want to be happy practice compassion <laughs> so there's no other instructions just mm. practice compassion and i think that's if you practice compassion it'll make it a lot easier to find the good in people mm -hmm. It's, it's not so easy to find the good in this podcast, <laughs> I'll tell you. You are so negative. <laughs> Embrace <laughs> optimism. Well, it's hard. I mean, or at least hope. I mean, we're only halfway through. I may have to bring out the Himalayan singing bowl, which really I don't know will, why you haven't. Well, because it doesn't it doesn't resonate with oh. <laughs> it sounds like a clunk. So mm. I don't we have to do something about that. So we have yeah. embracing embracing optimism, cultivating hope cultivating presence and mindfulness, finding the good in people. And now we go to the number five secret, practice self-trust. Very important to me is, is this concept of self-trust. And, and I think that essentially, if we don't have self-trust, we have to then assume that insecurity is steering our lives. You know, the person that handles life, the person that is able to be in the now, is a person who's willing to risk trusting that they have the capacity, the ability, the wherewithal to, to, to protect themselves, to handle themselves, and to deal with life head on in that moment. Mm. Are you a trusting, self-trusting person? I try to be. I think practicing mindfulness is helpful with, with self-trust because it, it allows you to stay in the moment and and it's much easier to trust your instincts in the moment i mean when you're when you're trying to solve a problem that exists in the future it's difficult to actually be able to solve it i guess that's what worrying would be considered when you're thinking about something that hasn't happened yet and how are you going to deal with it and solve the problem and um, respond or react mm -hmm. um it's hard to do yeah let me give you an example um let's say i i get in the car and, and I say to myself, uh, gee, what, what happens if a deer runs in front of the car? Um, what will I do? Should I, should I hit the brake first? Or do I turn the wheel first? So you're getting yourself all congested with trying to anticipate something that may or may not happen. And the more distrust I have, the more I have to prepare for those what ifs. Mm -hmm. And if I am a trusting person, on the other hand, I get in the car and maybe I have the same thought. You know, what if a deer runs in front of my car? Well, the self-trusting person says, well, you know, I'll handle it in the moment. You know, uh, I have instincts. I have good antenna. I, you know, I, I've reacted in the past in a healthy and, and productive way. So why would I assume I can't do it now? So you see the self-trusting person lives a very different life in the present. Yes. Yeah, that makes it, sense. You, you had a deer experience in college, didn't you? <laughs> I did when the deer hit my car. No, no, you, the deer didn't hit your car. It flew over your car. It was, must have been like a reindeer. And it wasn't just one. There was, it was an entire family of deer. Now, wait, you wait, know, wait, 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 time out. 
the, was this like after a sorority party and you were kind of inebriated or anything like that? No, you sure this happened? drunk driving. This definitely happened. I had a friend that was in the car that can confirm. How, many, we did deer, not... how many deer flew over your car? Uh, one flew over the, <laughs> the, the hood of the car. And there were two that actually like tumbled into the side and one that went underneath. The car. Oh, come so on. I think that's a total of what do we have for deer? I'm not kidding. I, my car was so messed up after that. And everyone kept saying like, oh, man, it stinks that you hit a deer. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> the deer hit me. I was stopped at a stop sign. <laughs> oh, now you weren't even moving. And for no. Are you sure this is? They were like running a, oh, across the street, and my car was a—it was a black car, so they didn't see it. And sure it was just a. This isn't a lucid dream or something. I mean, I—you can ask my friend unless we were both having the same lucid dream. Huh. And the car suffered damage. It did. Okay. It was all dented and. Fourteen. <laughs> oh, you must have. You must have done something to really antagonize the deer gods, and, and I don't know. Wow. I don't know. That's that's bad deer karma. It, it was bad deer karma, yeah. Karma. I agree. Whoa. Okay. So practicing self-trust, very important because with self-trust, uh, you're behind the wheel, not insecurity. And when you trust your resourcefulness to handle life, it frees you, it liberates you. You can just flow through life like zippity doodah. Mm. You don't want me to sing the whole song, do you? Not right this moment. Okay. Now we only have two more left, but before we get to the final two secrets, let me just come right to the point. And do you know what time it is? Yeah. Yes. Wow. It, it took is you a while to get there. Well, I, I thought you were going to finish the list, but you're going to do an um, intermission. Yeah. This is like a little intermission. So people can, you know, get up, go to the bathroom, stuff like that. <laughs> get some popcorn. <laughs> All right. Scrape the deer off the windshield. Yeah, yeah, you never know. But do you know um, what time? No, seriously. Yes, I do. It is pep coaching pep talk, pep talk time. time. And today's pep talk is a prescription for a successful life. The secret to a successful, happy life is that it's not a secret. Risk believing in yourself. Value yourself. Be willing to endure discomfort in order to achieve. And never, never fall prey to negativity cultivate optimism do not dwell in doubt and manage your fears and worries but most importantly risk trusting that you will find what you need and remember it's never too late to become what you might have been short and sweet zippity doo dah zippity all right back Back, that, did you like that? It was short and sweet. That was a nice intermission. Thank you. Did, did you get up and do anything during that intermission? Yeah, I just blew a couple bubbles. Yeah, you're really into the, the chewing gum today, huh? Yeah. What kind of gum is that? Mm, it's a trident splash, I think they call it. Wow, very nice. Yeah. I always eat two pieces of gum at one time. How about you? I, I don't eat gum. I used really? to. Really? Okay. It was when I was a kid, it was. What was it with a uh, bazooka? Bubble. Bu- bazooka bubble. Oh. And I had the little cartoon. You unra- unwrap it, and there was a little cartoon. You can blow big bubbles with that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then would pop over your face. What, what was that noise? 
Sorry, my studio is falling apart. Because oh, that happened exactly when I said the big bubble would pop on your face and your studio <laughs> fell apart. It's kind of, kind of scary. Divine timing, yeah. So are you ready to Sound go through the last two self-coaching secrets before everyone falls asleep? Let's let's go to number seven. <laughs> ready. And number seven is define your personal sense of morality and live by it. Hmm. What do you think about reality? What do I think about reality or morality? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Our time space reality. You know, I have to, I have to, you're going to have to cut me a little slack. And, and everyone listening to this, cut me a little slack because I had my COVID booster a few hours ago. Do, do. Was, it, was it a few hours ago? Yesterday? It was yesterday. But, <laughs> and, I mean, technically, it was a few hours and, ago, and depending I, on your definition. I'm of having you. some mental side effects, as you probably can tell. Mental side effects. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm not as <sighs> I'm not as crisp as I'd I. I like don't to think be. you can blame your mental. Oh, thanks a well lot. Well, being on the booster shot, but thanks a lot. Okay. Go ahead. Same. Morality. You are a moral person, right? Moral. Better say yes. Yeah, I am. I actually, I, when you were talking about morality, I was thinking that that kind of ties into self-trust for me too, because I think sometimes it's difficult to live by your values and oh, yeah. mm -hmm. it takes a level of self-trust to follow through on things you commit to yourself. So oh. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just oh. really agreeing with you. It, it, does, oh. it does take okay. a commitment, yeah. But when we define morality, you know, yeah. I'm thinking that it has a lot to do with, you know, doing the right thing yeah, as opposed to the wrong thing. For That's example, usually... let, me, let me give you an example. If, if, I, if I take a, a piece of your, what kind of gum do you have? Trident, trident. slash. And I, and I take the wrapper after I put the, the, the trident sl slash in my mouth. Splash, not splash. splash. <laughs> and, really and, and, I, and I throw the paper on the ground. Hmm. And I, I litter. Now, chances are, you know, that's not an, uh, you know, a grievous offense against humanity. But, but I know it's wrong. I, I know I shouldn't litter. But I know I can get away with it. So I, I throw it on the ground rather than hold it in my hand or put it in my pocket. See, I'm, I'm looking at that kind of thing where, you know, maybe it's small things, maybe it's bigger things, but, you know, it's, it's when no one's around. That, that seems to say to me, that's where you really define your morality. If you do the right thing and you don't throw that paper on the ground when there's no one around to see whether you did or didn't, that to me right. is a moral good judgment living a life of morality typically is choosing the harder thing which is also the right thing all of the time or most of the time yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right i'm trying to think where the wrong thing is usually doing the the easier thing yeah you know it's like doing uh, substances that might harm us you know i'm not uh, sure i understand oh was that Sorry, you? Sorry, that was Siri. I like that. Siri, put that, put her back on. She, I just squished her. My she watch. said, I, "I don't." She said, "I don't." Oh my gosh, she's been recording like a lot of what we're saying, and, <laughs> and then that, she just said, "I'm not sure I understand." <laughs> are you sure you're not muting your voice and talking to Siri and then coming back on the podcast when you're ready for? No, I don't really have a great relationship with I mean, Siri because that wouldn't that wouldn't be morally correct. I mean, that would be egregious. That that you would be. 
offending me morally, wouldn't you? You'd be doing no. the, wrong, the wrong thing. I don't think that that's not part of my moral compass. Wait a minute. So you're saying it could be a good thing for you to be looking at Siri and stuff? I mean, I think in theory, I could be researching, you know, some topics for our next point in, in for, for secret number seven. I, I, I'll accept that because okay. I because I know you're a millennial and, and that's the way it is for millennials. You, you need to multitask all the time. Even in the now, you need to be doing two nows, not just I'm one. going to take this abuse only because you are suffering from post-COVID oh, booster mental you. fatigue. <laughs> thank you. You're, you're quite, quite right. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I love this concept, though, of uh, morality in that there are there are times in our lives, and I think everyone has gone astray at some point. And, you know, one of the ways that we know when we go astray is that there usually are regrets and woe be the person who has no regrets, you know, the sociopaths, the psychopaths. Uh, so the next time you're walking around, Lauren, and you throw that trident, uh, silver, whatever, <laughs> the splash. Tri- when you take that wrapper off your trident splash and you're about to throw it in the gutter, I want you to think of me telling you, Lauren, uh, that's the easy way and face the truth. Yeah, you can get away with it, but does it serve you? Now, that's the bigger question. Does morality really serve you? And I think it does. Uh, I think it adds to our consistency of being who we want to be. Can't go north and south at the same time. You're either a good person or you're not such a good person. And if you're going to be a good person, then you need to to live according to your moral code. Am I becoming too, uh, you know, preachy? preachy? Yeah. yeah, a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. I agree with you. Better. Mm-hmm. So, so when you when you blow a bubble during the podcast, is that yeah, is that the right thing to be doing? I don't think those things are like moral choices. And you're right, and I and I bring that up intentionally because. Sometimes it really isn't a matter of right or wrong. There are there is a whole neutral area where things are just things. So yeah. go ahead, blow your bubble. I don't care. I think it's Brene Brown who says um, she speaks of morality or character, and she says it's choosing to do what's right instead of what's fast, easy, or popular. Absolutely, yeah, and and I I totally agree with that because. We, we can be so swayed by just, you know, the collective mind of people. You know, it's like mob, mob mentality. Um, you get caught up in the mob and the mob seems to be wanting to do something destructive and you, you can fall prey to that and lose your own compass. So the strong person has to be able to walk away from influences, however strong they may be, if they go against a moral code. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is, you kind of have to spend some time asking yourself who you want to be and who you need to be. Yeah, because uh, because we do have a sense when we go against our morality, we do have a sense something in us kind of aches uh, and regrets. So there, we do have something in us called conscience that comes back and bites us in the butt sometimes. <laughs> so, Lauren, uh, I'm getting down to the very very last, and I saved this for last for a very good reason the best for last that's right Hmm. are you ready ready we need to cultivate a sense of humor we talked a little about this last week why i'm going to ask you to go first because you are so humorless today 
and and I'm going to tap into your your hidden sense of humor and ask you. Did you to, just call me humorless? I was just being humor humorful. Where you go? <laughs> Is that a word? Humorful? I always say to the kids at school, it's not a joke if nobody's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm laughing, so. Well, you're laughing at yourself, so I guess that. But, it's, kind but, of but why do that. why do we have? humor in our podcast people might say you know these are serious topics it's 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 inconsistent you know it contradicts the seriousness of trying to help people struggling i see it just the opposite i think that there needs to be a kind of balance a very real balance between seriousness and and then introducing more of a playfulness that gives us perspective if life becomes too dire too demanding too serious and we don't have that counterbalance of humor, of seeing the funny side of life, I think we could slide down into a deeper hole. I mean, am I overplaying that? No, I I think humor allows us to lighten up a little bit and not have to take everything so seriously. Last week we talked about my two lame jokes. Now I'm gonna ask you, I need to hear your the joke that you sustain in life that, that you tell everybody. Oh, you have I one? Really, I, you know, okay. So I do not have one that's like my signature joke, but why was the duck unable to pay for dinner? Oh, no. See, I, I love this kind of joke. Why was the duck unable to? Uh, I, I don't know. Because his bill was too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I love Not it. Not bad, right? I love it. Not bad at all. Uh, <laughs> now, anyone out there who is not laughing mm. has a serious problem. Serious problem. Yeah. Serious. Because that... and all, yeah, well, if you force yourself to smile or laugh, they actually say, even if it's not real, like even if you're just laughing when nothing is funny, you're actually still um, releasing certain um, hormones in your brain and, and your brain actually doesn't know that it's not real. So it's a quick therapeutic way of changing the way you feel well, but you force right. a smile yeah and you know what it does you it changes brain chemistry that that smiling and and you know that that duck the duck joke okay. <laughs> he didn't know how, how how long the bill was how did that go he couldn't pay for dinner because his bill was too long oh his bill was too long uh the lamer the joke doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it invalid. I mean, basically, you you laugh sometimes because it's so stupid. But <laughs> but I, I love it. I, I think that humor plays a very vital role in life and in balance. So if, if in your life you find yourself somewhat humorless, uh, I do encourage you to find the bright side. And, you know, you don't have to tell wonderful jokes like Lauren. But, but you do need to be able to laugh at life sometimes, because when you laugh at life, it takes away the seriousness, the darkness, and replaces it with some relativity that makes it all more tolerable. So as I said in the uh, pep talk, um, the secret to a successful, happy life is there is no secret. It's mm. not hidden from you. Uh, you need to practice some of the things we talked about today. And, you know, aside from the... Uh, 
the difficulty plowing through this podcast. Uh, you did save the day with that duck joke, I have to say, for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, you made my day with that, to be honest. So glad. My day, my day was was that dire before you for that joke. Now it's become really, it's you've enriched really, my day. It's really concerning. So anyway, um, we are done. And unless you have another equally fantastic mesmerizing humorful humorful <laughs> covid is entering covid going all around my brain right now not covid uh, vaccine going all around my brain <laughs> oh um, no uh, yeah I'm, i don't have any other jokes at the at the tip of my tongue so i'll have to right, save them right. for you next time and visit our website selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. You know, by definition, victims are powerless and you're not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren, quack, quack, <laughs> and me every week. And what do you say we make it simple together? Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your